Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hey everyone, it's Roy Johnson. You're listening to The Marvelous, Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. All right. I can't wait. Let's do it. Welcome everyone to The Marvelous, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on then our social medias. Como? I mean, that's how in Spanish. What? Anyway, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelous. Give us a like on there. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at... The Marvelists. You can also find us individually, myself, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Melnick. And for some reason, I'm on TikTok, and that's at Peter Melnick, but better. Yes, really, that is my name on there. Mm. You can also find Eddie only on one, only on one social media platform, and that is on Instagram, and that is at Eddie nine one nine three. You can also listen to this show on a wide variety of streaming platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, among many others. And also, be sure to listen to this show on iTunes. That's the big one. That is the big kahuna of podcasting platforms. And when you're on there, be sure to give us five stars. And remember, much to Eddie's chagrin, four stars or below is much like the ice cream machine at McDonald's. It just does not work. Isn't that correct, Eddie? I suppose. I don't know. Let me do a quick shout-out to Tim. Tim Husner, fan of the show that is out in Selkirk, who uh, I've seen more than once now sporting a Marvelous t-shirt on some Facebook posting. So uh, two thumbs up, Tim. Thanks. And for your guys, those Spider-Man villains from the 1967 series, love seeing those guys. So, Eddie, on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined alongside with a special person. Eddie, you do the honors. Honors? Does he have a title? He's an actor. He's got many roles. And the one we, well, one of many that we want to talk about is between Daredevil and Jessica Jones and The Punisher on Netflix. It is the recurring role star, Royce Johnson. Welcome, Royce. Thank you for having me. We appreciate the time taken out to uh, to talk to us about what you're doing and, and all that kind of stuff in our pandemic times. Yes, yes. But first of all, you are safe, I believe, and uh, all, all that are near and dear to you. I am safe and sound, man, down in New Orleans. Quarantining in, trying to work out, stay in shape, keep my mind fit. Excellent, and that's that's why we hear that uh, that southern accent, which I don't know that I don't know if that <laughs> uh, the carries. The more I'm home, the more the accent comes yeah? out, man. You know how it is. Okay, well, if you have a little libation too, I'm sure something else happens too. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this is a little departure maybe from the way you sound in the show, correct? It's very. Marshall. Uh, okay. Sometimes I make fun of the way I say ambulance on the show. I say ambulance <laughs> because it's Southern. Sure. No one corrects me at all. They just say, <laughs> let him go. He's all right. We know what he's talking about. Just all let right. him go. Just let him go. He's, uh-huh. he's from New York, you know? He's a, so. <laughs> there's a whole other thing right there with that accent. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Royce, how, first off, 
how did you get the role on Daredevil? Uh, like actors in New York, we auditioned, man. Uh, I had no clue that I was auditioning for a Marvel show. We had to sign all these NDAs to get in the room, and I signed the NDA. They put me on tape, and usually we have a callback. But I talked to some of the producers, and they said, man, we saw your tape, and we hired you from the tape, man. We didn't need you to come back in, and we said, that's our Brett Mahoney right there. And you that's said our, that's our cop because you have the Irish sound about you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> said, that's our guy, man. I said, you guys hired me off the tape. I had no clue it was Marvel. Wow. Had I known, you know, my nerves would have been working, working hard to book the role. So I thought I was just going into a, a normal, you know, Friday audition in the evening. And it turned out my agent called and said, hey, you just booked a Marvel show. They're trying something out on Netflix it's called Daredevil, and they want you on board. And I said, hey, I'm on. Sign me up. When it comes to the auditions, I've noticed Marvel will always, like, put in code names or they'll go with, you know, just different things like that. What was the <laughs> coded name for Daredevil? The coded name for Daredevil was Ring. We called it Ring. Ring. So when extras would show up or someone along the street would walk by and say, hey, what are you guys shooting? We said it's a new show on ABC called Ring. And uh, wow, code name for Daredevil. Of course, uh, the other shows have the same code name. No <laughs> leakage, you know. That's funny. I like I like that because like, I know when like they were doing the stuff for uh, Shang Chi right now. They're working on. They would you know mm -hmm. the movie title is like something completely different, but they they give you like the casting choices of like okay it's this kind of character and they'll give like little vague descriptions to it. And I like that they do that. They keep it very hush-hush, but you can also be like, oh, I know they're talking about. They're talking about this. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was the purpose of it. And it worked. You know, we was able to shoot 13 episodes, and no one leaked any uh, trailers or anything. No one got shots of us walking on the streets of Manhattan or anything. So I think that's wise that they came up with just code names. I think this is something that uh, Royce doesn't know. The only thing as far as a leak goes, and it had to do with Daredevil, was when we spoke to <laughs> Roy Thomas. Tell him, Peter. <laughs> yeah, we uh, had comic book uh, writer uh, Roy Thomas, and he guested on our show uh, two years ago, and he had mentioned he was in Daredevil Season 3, and he's in the... Uh, okay. But it was Did a big deal. Murdered? It got us to be. It got us to be at least off this continent. I think, or we got to be uh, in Italian media or something like that. Wasn't that Peter? Yeah, that was kind of wild. Bon wow. Okay, that was a cool role. Cool role. You know, it's always great to be a part of a great show. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's just for a season. And that the thing is with uh, Daredevil is the reaction that the show has gotten from not just comic book fans but fans of pop mm -hmm. culture in general. And it's one of those shows where every season was better than the last. And that's a very rare feat to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, ending on a good note is great. Uh, there's so many more ideas to share about the show. And that's why they wanted it to continue. We were introducing new characters uh, and it just, uh, we weren't finished. You know, and the fans weren't finished, obviously. And when you say that, one of the, th the biggest things on social media is the Save Daredevil campaign, where I've actually met some of the people involved when I was at New York Comic Con. They were giving out pins, bracelets, T-shirts. Mm -hmm. And it's such a massive movement to the point where they even had 
gigantic billboard set up in Times Square, and you can't get bigger than that. I know. <laughs> that took that took dedication. Those guys, I, I I can't even put it into words, man. Uh, just just the letters that we received, the uh, the billboards, like you said, uh, the jackets, the T-shirts made, uh, the donations to, to to keep that going was just. I can't put into words. I've never seen a, a cause uh, spring out of nowhere to become so big, you know? Eddie? Well, in my catching up to do, and that includes shows as well as comic books, Royce, um, I wasn't sure, and I'm guessing it, it varied. The amount of screen time you got, I would assume most of it was with the Daredevil series, but also Jessica Jones and Punisher. And I don't know if there was a, uh, yes, yeah, the most in Daredevil, maybe just a little bit, one episode in Jessica, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. How did that break well, down? Well, that uh, work? Well, they, they, it was a glue. You know, they needed someone to, uh, you know, connect the shows together. And myself and uh, uh, Rosario Dawson, who played Claire, was uh, the first. I was the first to cross over into Jessica Jones. So because they wanted to give that whole Hell's Kitchen appearance, it's the 15th precinct that we all uh, live in, downtown Manhattan. So what better way to do it was to bring another character from another show in there, and uh, that tied the glue together. Uh, I was honored that they said, hey, you're going to be on another show. I'm like, okay, so because I was shooting The Punisher and Daredevil simultaneously for the uh, season three of Daredevil and season two of Punisher. Thank God I didn't have to shoot both on the same day. Oh, man. But Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a a hectic schedule. Uh, I was trying my best not to get the storylines crossed up in between that. But uh, it was exciting <laughs> uh, at both times. So the backstory of that was it was brought to my attention by Jeff to ask me would I mind, you know, crossing over, like being the Nick Fury, like in the MCU universe. And I said, of course, I would love that, because uh, fans love to see another character from another show. Like, wow, that's Brett Mahoney and Jessica Jones. And uh, it, just, it just played out. And from there, like, look, we're going to do a spinoff uh, with – Punisher, and we'd like to come on board for that as well. So the character's arc just grew. Uh, it was step by step. It wasn't something that we talked about prior to uh, shooting the season. It just happened, you know? Yeah. I'm looking through some of the other stuff you've been in, and this goes back to, I don't know, as far as back as maybe uh, 2003 when I, oh yeah, I'm guessing. God, this- you're going back to like. Uh, <laughs> that was the beginning, like the I guess. Orders and stuff Maybe, yeah. The, uh, well, I'm seeing similar like titles of shows, and I'm thinking, have you been cast? Not stereotyped, but have you been cast in similar roles throughout? And what makes what you do with as Brett Mahoney different than anything you did before? Well, with Brett Mahoney, before it was co-stars. You know, you got co-stars, you got guest stars, and then you got recurring, and then you got series regular. So before uh, Daredevil, I was always cast as like a guest spot or a co-star, uh, not a big part of the show itself. But uh, with Daredevil, it gave me a, a chance to just show my range more, I guess, you know? Uh, but I had played cops before. But this time it was more of a, uh, a backstory with this cop, not just some cop uh, telling a story just to, to feed the story along. This cop actually was a part of the team. It wasn't like special teams in football. This guy actually was on the field with those guys. So that's the difference in between... Uh, the transition from doing guest spots to recurring. When it comes to the whole overall mythos of Marvel and the Marvel Universe, what is it like knowing that your character is a part of that? 
It's surreal, man, uh, to go into the glossary or the Wikipedia page and see my name next to, uh, you know, the great characters that have played certain roles of Spider-Man or an Incredible Hawk, to see Ed Norton's name next there. And when you type in Brett Mahoney to see my name, uh, I'm in a universe. I'm in the... I'm in, I'm in history. I made history. And I've never met Stan Lee, but, uh, you know, we all grew up watching his cartoons, watching his stories, reading his comic books. And it's, it's an honor, man. Uh, it's like I received an award spiritually, you know, uh, so, to be a part of that and to be known as that guy. You know, I can't get on a subway or go into a, a grocery store without somebody like, hey, you're the cop guy. You're the detective on the Marvel show. You know, they don't know my name, but they're like, hey, you're that guy. And I said, how do you know I'm that guy? I said, because I know you're that guy. So it's surreal, man, to get So this sounds like, Royce, you've got a comic book uh, somewhat background, and you may have downplayed the beginning of this episode when you know you found out that, that ring was actually Daredevil, and you're like, I'm in a comic book show? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I did, uh, no, I did downplay it, man. I mean, you know, you're at home, you know, you're cleaning your apartment, and you get that call from your agent, and they say you booked a Marvel television show. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what Marvel television show? That's how <laughs> private it was. And, uh, you know, I was excited. And they told me how many episodes, and and I could have done one episode, and I still was just, I just jumped for joy, man. I started making phone calls and letting everybody know that I'm going to be a part of something big. Now, I couldn't tell them what. There you go. And I said, just look out for me. So, <laughs> so now let me just jump back then. So it sounds like you had and or have comic books, and who did you like, read, uh, you know, the most or whatever? In my books, I read the, the, the commercial ones. You know, I read, like, uh, The Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, of course. You know, Daredevil was like the underground uh, book I read. I didn't read Daredevil until I got cast in a role. Okay. Of, uh, of, of uh, you know, just to play the part of uh, Brett Mahoney. And I was like, wow, where's this guy been, you know, all my life? <laughs> this is interesting. A lawyer, blind lawyer by day, and he fights at night. So I wasn't aware of uh, of his character before being cast mm-hmm. but uh before then it was just the basic ones you know i i had read uh the x-men and stuff like that but i just never read daredevil until i got cast and i'm the biggest daredevil fan of course <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to you know the reaction though especially for the show the you know the defenders universe is one of those highly regarded things in marvel and the reaction of the fans is absolutely insane where every announcement was you know reacted with so greatly <laughs> and i would say it's considered one of the best things marvel has put out you know on par with the movies and what is that like knowing mm-hmm. that feeling well we always talk about the series versus the MCU, and it gives a us it gives the fans an opportunity to get to know us a lot better than just a, a two hour movie, and we love that. You know, we get more leeway to play around and improv, and uh, we're more creative on the shows versus the uh, the movies. You know, because they only have a certain amount of time. So it's it's surreal. My first Comic Con in New York, you know, I'm going up the escalator, and I never I will never forget this and there were some girls, they were just screaming, and I was trying to find my way to the booth that we were all supposed to meet, and I must have went through a back door or something, and they were all screaming. I turned around, I'm like looking for who they're screaming for, and it was me. And I was like, hey, that's, 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 that's Brett Mahoney. 
That's Brett Mahoney coming up the line. So, and, and all of a sudden, I got bombarded, bombarded, and security had to uh, escort me to the booth where I was supposed to be. So uh, that, that's the big change. That's the surreal part of uh, so that answered the question of Marvel Universe. going to the con and not knowing what to expect. There's your answer. Exactly. <laughs> Don't know what to expect. So uh, these, are, these are the people who know exactly who you are. It's not like in a grocery store. These guys know who you are. So when you go into the, uh, the cons, make sure you, you know, you're, you're disguised or you have a hoodie on or you have security with you because they're they gonna, they gonna, they gonna rush you, man. They're gonna rush you. You know what, Peter? We and, gotta do uh, that. We gotta get security for us. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they know who you are. I mean, they, they will, they're gonna look at you and they're gonna Google your name and your face and then they're gonna approach you. They, they, they know who you are. I, I love the fans, man. Uh, Nothing like it. Had it happened. Like it. Had happened any other times? Uh, any? Uh, had you been to many shows since that first? Well, no, not since. Well, I've shot an indie with Jeremy Pivens, Crabs in a Bucket. It hasn't been released yet. But so far, when I go to the gym or something like that, the other shows, all the New York shows I've been on, they recognize me from being an actor. They're like, I mean, I can jog in my neighborhood now and. Uh, the uh, public safety guy. He's like, you're an actor. And I'm like, how do you know that? And he's like, uh, I've seen you somewhere before, but now it's not that way. They know exactly where I'm from now. So that's the, the transition from, like I said, doing the, the guest spots and the co-stars versus being a recurring role on a, a hit series mm-hmm. for three years strong. Strong. I can say that proudly. Strong. And one of the strengths about the Daredevil show was how they would adapt all the stories from the source material and just make a series that you connected the characters so well. And earlier, or last year, we had Yuri Lowenthal, the voice of Spider-Man from the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game. And one of the things, you know, we all agreed on is, and you had mentioned it as well, you know, with the longer runtime of it being a television series, you mm-hmm. develop more of a relationship, more of a connection to these characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, just like the Spider-Man game, where it's like, you know, I think a 20 to 30 hour game length, you're mm-hmm. becoming more accustomed to them, you grow with them, you watch them evolve. And that's, again, another big thing about the Defender series and everything, where that mm-hmm. connection is so strong. I, I think when you have a, sh- a long-running show, any show, doing the table reads, having the writers in the room, asking you how would you say this line or changing the line because those lines wouldn't come out of Brett Mahoney's mouth or, you know, coming to a compromise of, uh, of saying the same thing over again. You want them to learn more about your character. That right. helps. Also... Grab, you know, grabbing lunch with the actor on the side and talk about the scene prior to shooting it or after you shot the scene. Uh, there were times when Eldon and I were on the phone at 2 a.m. in the morning talking about a scene we've already shot, you know, asking each other how do we feel about the scene, you know, as actors and uh, how can we get better at, at doing this, you know, uh, of, of developing our relationship. And it helps the did writers. You also ask him, do you also ask him about the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> when I first met him, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Uh, the first day of work was very cool, man. Uh, I came out the trailer. He came out. 
and we were setting up in Brooklyn, and there was a coffee shop that was our holding area, you know, and there were people getting on and off the subway, and, and Eldon and I, we didn't, we didn't talk much, and uh, we knew we were about to do a scene together, and I said, hi, I'm Royce, and he's like, hi, I'm Eldon. We had met Philip. He was the first director of the uh, first episode. He actually did the, the finale of the first season as well. And we shook hands, and we had some coffee, and then Philip called us out, and he formally introduced us, and we started to shoot. He's like, let's just start this off. And the way we walked to each other, we were smiling, as if we've known each other for like 12 years or 15 years. And if you remember the line, I said what he did for a living, and he says what I did for a living, and I said we're supposed to be enemies. And then he comes back at me, and he's like, we've been enemies since we were four, Brett. So that, that was funny to me inside. Like, we had a history that I loved immediately for the fans to know that. Like, he said he was going to bribe a cop, but I'm not just any cop. I'm a guy who probably uh, played Little League baseball with him or went to the same elementary school as him. We just chose different career paths, but I loved it that the writers were uh, clever enough to uh, include that in there, to say that we, we've known each other since we were four, you know? And that's a good sign of good writing, because you end up with one simple line. You have massive world-building with that. Yeah, you can draw off that however way you want. So when people say, are you guys friends, or are you, you frenemies, or you don't like... I was like, if he was my enemy, why would I be helping him out so much? Uh, you know, that friend that you, 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 you loan money to and they forget to pay you back. And when they finally pay you back, you forgot that you even loaned them the money. You know, it's that kind of friend, you know. So I, I love our relationship. I love our dynamic. You know, we bounce off of each other like uh, a Laurel and Hardy type thing, you know. Uh, I, I make this, this poker face when he arrives upon sight so you know what's coming, you know. He's that friend that needs that favor. So I love that about it, the, the, the way the writers write that, you know? And that was, uh, I think, in season three when he showed up at the, the union meeting. And upon sight, I'm like, what do you need? He says, I love that. You see that? We cut the small talk. I know he needs a favor. That's our relationship, you know? And he brings my mom cigars. He knows my mom. The first line is stop bringing my mom cigars. So if you know someone's mom, obviously you guys go way back, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Eddie? Uh, Royce, where has it just been New York that all the uh, shooting has been, whether it's been for these shows or the stuff you've done before? Because your home base is down in New Orleans, I think, right? No, I'm here now mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, but... Uh, I'm sick of me. I'm, I'm stationed in New York. My home base is New York City in the Bronx. Oh, that's great. So everything... the shooting. Yeah, we do most of the shooting, you know, on location, which is in Brooklyn and Manhattan. We're all over Manhattan. Uh, and it's, all, it's super cool to be there because I can literally go home and sleep in my own bed at night. But most of the other cast members live in L.A. and they have to fly out for six months. So while I'm there, I can also do other things. But I'm only down here... I've only been down here for the last three months. Right, so I was going to go into what kind of schedule that puts you on because they, you know, you're being told, okay, we're going to be shooting for these two weeks, so you're going to need to be here, and then you can take a break, and if we call you back, I don't mm -hmm. know, you know, unless you've had to go through that right. too, you know. 
Yeah, well, right now, that hasn't. When we start to shoot the series, the, the Marvel series, we all know that we need to be available uh, in New York City for six months. So if you have side jobs that you're doing or you're part of, uh, we get a schedule that, that we know far in advance, you know, any conflicts uh, with it. And when we sign that Marvel contract, and they, they pretty much know that we're going to be there no matter what we're working on. Right, so that means that depending on what they're trying to do, meaning uh, daytime, maybe or nighttime, you you need to be available different times of the day and or night, possibly? Day or night, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, they pretty much lock in for the six months. That's gotcha. it, you know. Uh, and then you'll get your scheduled days for when you're going to shoot that episode. So in between that time, you're like studying probably you know, doing your scene work, and uh, we do the table read. Once we do the table read, that's it. We go straight to shooting, you know, that episode. Yeah, and then a given day, a given day's hours, I guess that could be broken up or elongated. I don't know. Yeah, sleep is, sleep is weird, man, uh, how it's broken up. You know, you read, you see it's a night scene, you know, you rest up during the day, and our, our days could start at as late as 8 p.m., it's your call time, and you may not finish until sunrise, which could be 5.30 a.m. in the morning, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have an office scene. I love location scenes because it doesn't matter what time of day it is. We can just make the lighting and, you know, uh, day or night. But when we're doing outside scenes, we literally have to wait until it's completely dark because Daredevil does his business at night. And uh, which was different from The Punisher because The Punisher had more, you know, daytime scenes for me, which is interesting. Now, when you mentioned with uh, the how Daredevil does his stuff at night, one of the things Daredevil also does are hallway fights. And throughout the course of the entire series, as well as, again, Defenders and whatnot, what was one of your favorite uh, hallway fights with the character? I think when he... Well, of course, the first uh, season one, uh, where he fought... And the red, I think the red light was there that gave him a, a sense of darkness. I love that. And he was exhausted by the end, and he, he continued to push forward to continue to fight down the stairwell. But if I had to pick my favorite was when he went to the prison and he was actually drugged. Remember when he was drugged? Yeah. And he wasn't in uniform. He wasn't prepared to fight, yet he still uh, managed to get out of the prison. That was impressive to me, as a, as just as a as an audience member, as a fan. So, that was probably one of my best fighting scenes there. And the fight choreography of all of them, and the action and the intensity of them. My personal favorite, you know, just moment of all of these is still Luke Cage with Bring the Ruckus with the Wu Tang Clan, and you know him with the car door, and just again, yeah, it's so yeah. impactful and it's so memorable. Well, well, just imagine being a, a spectator. Like, uh, some days I would go into the uh, studio, and I know I'm going to hair and makeup, and they're shooting a fight scene with the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the stand-ins and the, uh, the court. Just to watch them shoot the scene and talk it, not actually fight. It'll be like two punches here, and then the lamp breaks, and then you roll backwards, and then there's a flip. And I'm like, they're going to bring this to life, and then when they bring it to life, it's in real time, and it's so cool to watch. 
I don't know if that's clear to you guys, but they talk it first and then they do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, so these these guys are, are just amazing at what they do. I, I, I that's that's uh that's a a language a body language that I can't speak quite yet. You know that's why we have the stunt doubles, right? <laughs> but yeah, they work they work together. They're like, okay, Daredevil smashes his face against the wall. He backs up. He kicks. He stands. He gets punched twice on the right cheek. And I'm like, okay. And then they go through the scene, and I'm like, I'm not ready to go home right now. I kind of want to watch this happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eddie? How, what was it, uh, Royce, what would you say, how old maybe you were, what age that you decided or you realized, you know what, this is what I want to do for a living, if that's uh, at all, I, you know? You know, I, like everybody, you know, I was always impressed with movies and, and superheroes and characters. And, and uh, I like to say, someone asked me the other day, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a professional pretender. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was in a military prior to becoming an actor. Well, thank you for your Most service. didn't know that. You're, you're welcome. And uh, I, uh, I decided, I said, you know what? I don't want to stay in the military. I want to get out. And they gave me a discipline about myself. I didn't know anything about acting. Um, I auditioned to get into a conservatory, which was purchased, one of the uh, top five universities to study acting. And I had so much fun, man. I got bit by the bug, I say, you know. I didn't know there was so much to shooting a scene and putting everything to- together. I thought things were shot linear, uh, it's, but it's not. You know, the last scene could be shot first. Uh, that big crying scene, that big monologue could be day one. So I thought it was all about memorizing lines and, and looking good. But there's so much research to be done when you decide to take on a character. And taking on a character like Brett Mahoney, the integrity that this guy has, this matter-of-fact attitude, this New York way of walking and speaking, it's uh, it's a lot of homework before you start to memorize lines. Yeah, because people are like you're memorizing. I'm like, no, I'm not memorizing. I'm studying. So memorizing lines is probably one of the last things you do. And once I realized being in the military, you know, because you have to take orders, you have to be disciplined, you have to, you know, stay up long hours uh, in the field doing field ex- exercises, and the two went hand in hand for me. So when I speak to troops, because I spoke to some troops. Recently, in 15 trans in Oklahoma, I told them how being in the military helped my uh, career as an actor, the discipline that it takes mm-hmm. to be an actor, not just showing up and looking good and getting in hair and makeup and saying some lines, because that's not all what acting is. It's, it's becoming someone else. The stakes are much higher than just learning lines. You know? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming now that you're saying that, and it's bringing a little bit more to mind, that when you're getting a script, you're not just getting, and again, shooting out a sequence, that kind of thing. You're shooting a later scene than a previous one. I'm guessing just to stop your head from spinning, you're getting, here's the whole layout of what the episode's going to unfold as, but these are your parts, but you know, you're going to mm-hmm. study this, research the whole thing, so you know the story, how it unfolds, And but here we're only going to shoot this part, and so you, I guess you acclimate to shooting later and then the sooner parts, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. So what I do is when I get the script, 
I look at what's going to be the most difficult, and I attack that first. And I draw from what I've read and uh, experienced already. So when they said, hey, you're going you're gonna to reveal the name of this guy, the Punisher. You know, that's going to be boom, 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 or Hell's Kitchen is about to explode. So you do your research first uh, and have a bathtub, I call it, because we all don't just walk outside. We take a shower, we get dressed, and we go outside. So we have to go back in our memory uh, and just imagine that you've shot those scenes already and then you're picking it up from right now. Mm. So think about how difficult that was, shooting the Punisher and shooting Daredevil simultaneously. I gave myself a little side backstory. I said that I was chasing the Punisher. That was my assignment. Eldon, which, who plays Foggy, called me up and needed a favor, and I accommodated his favor, and that's how I got into season three, helping them out with Fisk. Because I know he was released, but I had to still continue the assignment I had to follow the Punisher. Hmm. So you have to coach yourself in some sort of way, uh, knowing that you're going to be shooting this, you know, not in order. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of hard to put into words, but I I knew that. I didn't know that because I did a lot of plays. I've done Broadway. I've done Off-Broadway. And, you know, we go to rehearsal and we learn lines and we, we, we start from page one. But, you know, on television and film, you can start from page 55, you know. And you have to be ready to shoot page 55 on day one of you working. And that's, uh, that's uh, it's a little challenging sometimes, but you get used to it. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest benefit of onstage work versus, uh, you know, regular uh, television and film? Uh, I would say being trained on a stage and in theater because there's so many lines you have to learn and there's no takes, there's no cuts, there's no do-overs. I think it helped my memory out better and it helped me just to uh, changes that are made at the last minute. Let's say you memorize a paragraph all night and you get to set and they've changed the line. Don't say paramedics, say medical examiner now. Hmm. So you can't get stuck on anything. And the ability to go to your trailer and relearn what you've studied all night. So that's the benefit of being trained for stage and versus television and, uh, and film. That's the advantage that you have over some people who don't have any theater training. Now, earlier you mentioned that you have a film coming out soon with uh, yourself and Jeremy Piven. Uh, Yeah, Crabs in the Bucket, man. Uh, Who we have? Tara Manning. We have Zach McGowan. We have uh, quite a few names on that. I didn't remember. But, uh, yeah, it's a comedy. I haven't done a comedy ever, so it's my first comedy. I'm excited about it. Uh, It's about a real estate agent. He's the lead, Jeremy Pivens, and uh, I play a colleague of his, and we sell homes, and we're very successful, and his mom passes away, and, uh, and he has to leave us and go home, and we support him in that. But, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a funny movie. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, it's always good to, to, to see a movie during the screening because uh, – you see what they kept and what they took out, you know. We call it the cutting room. Of course, you know about the cutting room, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, so it's a comedy, and I'm looking to do more comedy as well, you know? But I'm looking forward to that. It should be great. Do you know when uh, it's going to be seeing release? I'm not sure yet. And uh, with the pandemic and everything, I'm not sure when they're ready to uh, drop it, but it should be good. You know, Jeremy's been sitting down for a while now, and he's ready to to come out, you know, and I'm honored to, to be a part of that. Is that something? Uh, and Jamie like, Kennedy, Jamie Kennedy's in it also. Oh, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a comedy, you know, it's a good, a good chance to see that the fans could see that, uh, Royce could be funny as well. You know, I'm not all, you know, I'm not all boots and shiny yeah. armor, you know, uh, <laughs> I get to act silly in this one. You is, know? is comedy, is comedy, <laughs> I'm not such a good guy. <laughs> is that something you didn't see coming, Royce? The comedy you didn't know that that was going to be part of your uh, repertoire. I didn't know. You know, uh, I've always been that guy who's played, you know, uh, a lawyer, intern, cop, you know, uh, uh, young doctor, a soldier. I've never done a comedy, and this is my first opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, producer Rob Simmons called me up and he said, uh, "You want to be a part of this to comedy?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." I could be funny. <laughs> so at this point, your your part is done. It's um, I think it's in post production now. We're just gonna wait for that to wrap, kind of thing, and then get a release date. Yeah, that's all. I think they're finished with post production. I think that it's just about a release date. That's all. Okay. What they want to do with it? Yeah. Crabs in a bucket. So you can IMDb that and uh, and uh, and enjoy that enjoy that movie. And is that, there much uh, when it comes to a comedy, especially you know? There's there can be like an element of uh, improvisation. Was there like a lo- a little bit of improvisation with this? Ah, oh, so much, so much. Uh, being surrounded by comedians, they, you know, with Jamie Kennedy and, and Jeremy Pivens, you know, they change their lines every time. I'm used to sticking to the script. You know, I do television, and uh, there's always a writer on board. I, I don't know what to call that person, a check writer. You know, if you say something. Uh, out of context, they'll, they'll come to you and say, you put a but here when it was supposed to be when. <laughs> and working with comedians, it's not like that. They have the freedom and the range to just say whatever they need to say to make the, to heighten the scene, I should say. And that's what uh, Jeremy did with us. You know, We were joking around, talking about other comedians, and then it, it built a relationship between us. We could laugh with each other. We could talk because when we show up to set sometimes, we don't know these people. You know, uh, all of us are pretty much strangers. We may know of each other, but we don't know each other. You know, Charlie introduced me to John when we got to set. Like, I didn't know John at all. Mm. Uh, I, I had heard he had been on The Walking Dead and stuff. And uh, so with Jeremy, with uh, Krabs, you know, I had that freedom. I'm like, we can just say what we want to say. He's like, yeah, as long as it's in the context of what we're doing right now. Because uh, I had a script. I studied, but we made it fun. We, we started to, you know... Uh, go back and forth, and we were riffing, like they call it, riffing. James was saying funny things. Uh, it was hard to keep my composure because you want to laugh because what he just said was funny or what I just said was funny, but they're used to that. So that's the difference with comedy. Comedy, I feel more freedom. Uh, not saying that the, the, the script isn't great, but they always put that icing on the cake. That's why they, they got the job. You know, they're comedians. So it was fun to be surrounded by a bunch of funny people where you can laugh all day long, just nonstop, because you don't know what they're going to say next. And I had to learn how to do that as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, that's not my cue to speak. 
you know, but he, he's looking at me, so I'm like, I better say something. Yeah. And that was fun to, uh, to take part in that. Yeah. It was just new. I something new. I kind of want to ask it, but I don't want to end, you know, end up having like a line spoiled or something. But what I want to ask is, were there any like improvisations in there that, you know, caught you all off guard and it was, you know, beyond hilarious? Uh, if I said it would be a spoiler, but, uh, yeah. like I said, we're successful real estate people and, uh, we're trying to win the love of our boss. So we, we're doing a lot of little kiss-assing, you know, mm-hmm. for who's next in line. And we have a little riff about our cars, what kind of cars we drive. So that's not much of a spoiler, but that caught me off guard that yeah. we started to talk about cars. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, that was funny to me without spoiling anything, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. Eddie? Um, Royce, anything else? I don't know if you're at liberty to say what else you might be working on. If not, what would you like to see yourself working on going into changing things up or, or I don't know. I, like I said, I would love for us to continue with Daredevil. You know, we're not finished telling the story. We introduced some, a great character that I wanted to explore. Secondly, uh, the big screen. Why not be in a Spider-Man movie? You know, uh, the connection with Spider-Man and Matt Murdock being his lawyer, and uh, Matt Murdock trusting me. Why not see Mahoney walk out of a, a bodega store in Queens or something like that? You know? <laughs> I'd like that. <laughs> yeah, why not? I would love that. I think the fans would love that. They're like, hey, wait a minute, that's Brett Mahoney in Queens. But, uh, yeah, more comedy. I would like to see myself in more comedy. And uh, not just uh, not just in the cop roles or, or, or lawyer roles or just serious roles. Uh, because sometimes we, we get so good and comfortable at doing one thing that we forget that we have other talents that we could show the fans as well. So I think that's going to wrap yeah. this up. But before we go, Royce, big thank you for being on the show today. Hey, a pleasure, man. I appreciate you guys for uh, giving me something to do during this time, you know. <laughs> Everyone's pretty trapped in, and, you know, Hollywood's pretty closed gates for now, as well as New York. So it's great that you guys are still active and uh, giving us a call and inviting us to be a part of your program. How can people get a hold of you on social media? It is I am Royce Johnson on uh, Instagram. Very cool. Don't have Twitter yet. <laughs> I know I got a tweet, right? I'm not a Twitter. (laughs) I'm not a tweeter. You're you're perfectly fine with that. Honestly, Instagram is the way to go. Got it, man. I appreciate you, man. Somebody's on my team. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) For the Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Royce Johnson. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it.